Welcome to the Dear Professor series, where college students who take courses online speak their minds. I am your host and e-learning strategist, Dr. Kelly Alston, who is honored to have a conversation with today's guest as she sheds light on her experiences as an online student. I have been teaching online since 2004 and made the tough decision to obtain my PhD through an online program. So I've been both an online instructor and an online student. As a result, I know that some wonderful things are happening with online programs, as well as some not-so-wonderful things going on. The purpose of this series is to help professors and students experience a more fulfilling online learning environment by allowing students to reveal their needs and pet peeves. I hope that this information will support professors in making the necessary changes or adjustments in the design and delivery of their online courses, which should ultimately enhance student success and satisfaction with distance education. So if you're interested in hearing what students have to say about their lived experiences online, please hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that every Wednesday at 8 p.m., the latest episode will come straight to you. Also, feel free to comment about anything said and ask questions. If you're listening via a podcast platform, please be sure to follow and rate the series so that your interest and opinion of the show are made known. If you're like me, this is the time of the year when you start looking for that perfect wall calendar, desk calendar, planner, and journal in preparation for the new year. If you're teaching college students in the upcoming semester, a must-have is the Professor's Week in Review, a journal for weekly reflections on the higher ed experience. The journal provides 16 weeks of guided reflection along with a list of resources and checklists devoted to reflection on self-care, professional development, research interests, and faculty and committee meetings. This journal is a helpful tool for incorporating mindfulness consistently so that you can be fully present in the moment, paying attention to your thoughts and feelings without judgment, and thereby improving your mental well-being and enhancing your focus and self-awareness. This journal is now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and Vervante.com. So please head over to bit.ly forward slash Dr. Kelly Austin to access the style of journal that you desire. Today, I'm honored to be sharing this time and space with Miss Rosa Maria Verona. Hello, Rosa Maria. Hi, how are you? I am doing well. Rosa Maria, we've made it to the final month of 2023. Yes, we have. <laughs> Has this year gone by fast, slow, or just right for you? I'm going to be honest. It feels like I closed my eyes and I blinked for one second, and now the end of the year is here. It went extremely fast. I feel me. the same way. Yeah, I feel the same way. So now when you look back over the last 12 months, you might have found out that you had some bitter and some sweet 
some good and some bad. Let me see what else. Some joy and some pain. <laughs> if you had to use two words to describe this year, what would your two words be? I think my two words would definitely be, um, I feel like it would definitely be uh, rewarding, but also very um it was definitely challenging and it was definitely a learning curve. So I would say it would, was a learning curve, but also it was rewarding. Okay. You want to hear my two words? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> my two words are shocking Ooh. because some startling, distressing, and offensive things happened Absolutely. and revelatory because some things that were previously in secret were made known. So Ooh. I would say 2023 has been shocking and revelatory. Those are great words to describe 2023, <laughs> I feel like. Yes. Yeah, so now tell us about yourself, Rosa Maria. Um, so my name is Rosa Maria, obviously. Uh, I graduated uh, top of my class in early childhood. I graduated with honors. Um, I taught, uh, last year I taught fifth grade science, and this year I'm teaching fourth grade Um and I'm very passionate about like art and self-expression. Um, so I try to incorporate those things every day and even with my work. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the art part of you. How do you express yourself through art? Um, there's lots of different ways. I used to be very big in writing spoken word poetry. I think as I've gotten older, that love for writing has kind of dwindled a little bit just based on personal experiences with like the poetry scene and all that. So lately, especially this year, I've turned to more um, physical forms of art. Like I started doing pottery recently. And then also um, I picked up a hobby of like, uh, it's kind of like scrapbooking, I would say, but different in a way because it's just with like, um, magazines and stickers and pictures and cutting things up and drawing and just kind of it's kind of like a a hodgepodge of just art on like a canvas that I've been working on lately um, oh this sounds so interesting yeah, I'm I don't trying have to work for it but yeah I'm trying to decide what hobbies I'm going to pick up when my daughter goes to college because I have a lot of free time yeah then yeah so you talked about being a fifth grade science teacher so but you majored in early childhood. So how did that come to be? Mm, it came to be, uh, well, I was student teaching and I was student teaching in a kindergarten classroom. And I think about midway through my student teaching semester, um, I was in the classroom that I was, you know, student teaching in. How many times I'm going to say that? But um, the principal had called the classroom teacher and had asked to talk to me and I was scared at first because I thought that, you know, I was going to be in trouble because the <laughs> principal was calling me. Um, but she had asked me, she had said that there was a um, fifth grade science position that opened up at that school and that was going to open up within the next month. And she was asking me if I was interested in it. And, you know, I was definitely nervous at first. And she told me to take the weekend to think about it because, you know, my the bulk of my experience and my education is not in, you know, K-5. It was in, you know, BK. So, right. um, but I decided to take the leap and the principal and all the admin were willing to work with me, even though I didn't have, you know, that K-5 certification or K-6 certification. And, mm -hmm. you know, the rest was history. 
So since you're an artsy person, how did teaching science feel for you? I want to be honest, like at the very beginning, it was definitely rough because it was hard to get my mind to go there. And I mean, the science topics for fifth grade in North Carolina are not, they're not hard and they're not complex. It's just a lot of vocabulary. But I grew up in Minnesota. So like the stuff that they're learning down here now in the year 2023 or 2022 at the time, well, 2223 is completely different than when I learned science and what I learned. So it felt like I had to teach myself, reteach these topics to myself. So it was definitely very overwhelming. But as you know, the semester went on, I was able to kind of um, definitely put my own spin on things and find ways to incorporate creativity in some ways for like my students. Right. Yeah, I had a large population of students who were artistic. Mm -hmm. And the key here is like the vocabulary words. So I would have them like make little vocabulary cards where they drew pictures representing the vocab words. And, you know, so it ended up being an extremely rewarding experience and actually something I really enjoyed teaching. Um, But I didn't think it was going to be so. So which which do you prefer, the the little babies or the older children? I don't know because it really does feel like a situ- it really does feel like a situation where the grass is always greener on the other side. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, because I remember being in like I remember student teaching in kindergarten and just uh-huh. and prior to student teaching in kindergarten, I was a preschool teacher for like four or five years, and so like when I was in kindergarten. I had like a bunch of mixed feelings about like, is this where I want to be? Do I like agree with how kindergartners are being taught in the public education system? Blah, 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 blah. Um, And then just some overwhelming feelings about, you know, like early literacy and teaching kids how to read and Mm -hmm. like, just like the, um, I guess the implications of all that. And then when I got to fifth grade, like I realized that I actually did really enjoy the older kids because you're able to be kind of more of yourself with them. And like, I'm able to be sarcastic or I'm able to make jokes about like certain things that are happening on in like the world or on TikTok and stuff. And they would get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely having to deal with the attitude was like a whole different, like, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) Like these fifth graders have some mouths on them. Like it was crazy. Like I was like, Oh, hold on. Like, yeah, and then they're almost as tall as you, if not taller. Some yes, of them. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's weird because, like, uh, now I'm I'm teach older kids, but sometimes I'll see like the kindergartners. I well, they're in first grade now, but the students that I student taught, and like they'll give me a hug, and I'll be like, oh, I miss them. But then, like, I might work with them for a little bit. Like over the summer, I worked with preschoolers um, for just a summer job, and I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Because yeah, and, and I think it's great because we all have our calling um, in terms of the age groups. Like I remember one of my uncles, he drove the bus for middle school and he was like, the middle school students are worse than the high school kids. Yeah. You know, and so, <laughs> you always hear that you have to really be called for middle school. So I think it's great that you had the opportunity to do both. And now you can kind of decide because you'll have to get licensure right in the in the K six, yeah. If I if I if I stay in teaching and especially teaching, you know, fourth fourth fifth, then uh, I'll right. have to eventually get licensure. Right now, right. I have a I think it's a provisional. So yeah, I think that's exactly. good. I think it's good for five years. Um, but yeah, I'll have to make that decision and get my and do the testing and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, 
We wish you the best in your decision. And I'm not going to let you go without giving you a round of applause for being at the top of your class. Thank right. You. And be honored. Um, did you get a special award or something? Rosemary, a little birdie told me. I think that you were. Didn't they? I think so. I don't really remember what it was because I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, are you. Like- Cause you you know, just, like, all those stuff is all online. So like, I think right. I, missed, I think I missed the email and I missed like the little award ceremony or something, but I think it was right. like the top of my senior class or like something like that. And then yeah. I did graduate, uh, cum summa laude. I think I said that right. Right. Cum laude. So, summa cum laude. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that is just so wonderful. Now, tell us about your general experience with taking online courses. Um, so, OK, so I originally was not going to go to college online. I was going to get my degree at UNCG and it was actually going to be in just elementary education in general. Um, and then some life experiences happened and then I ended up um, quitting uh, UNCG after my first semester and I had kind of you know talked to my parents and my mom was very supportive and I kind of made the decision you know um, to to get my associates first in early childhood because to me for whatever reason I thought that like you know being able to be closer to the field of education would be, be- better for me because I was tired of like the jobs I was working And I definitely had a need to work, you know, to make money. So I thought that online education would be the best route for me. Um, I would say, generally speaking, just to kind of sum it up, my experiences with getting my associates online and then my bachelor's online, it was kind of lackluster, (laughs) Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Like, I mean... I don't really know how to explain it too in depth, but I just, there could have been a lot more, uh, a lot more could have been offered and it wasn't. And I feel like that kind of um, dimmed the college, the online college experience for me a little bit. Um, Oh, okay. So do you regret doing online and wish that you had done face-to-face and continued at UNCG? I don't regret that I did online because I know that it was something I needed to do in order Mm -hmm. to make sure that I had money to pay bills and help my family and all that stuff. So I don't think that I could have done it any differently. I do maybe wish that, you know, this, I picked a, a better online program to attend one that didn't make me feel um, like a lot of the work that I did was busy work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't regret it. Sometimes I do wish that I I did have that that in-person experience, but I know that overall, like, it's what needed to happen and what I needed to do for myself. So it got me out of a tough situation, so I don't regret that. Right. So now that you mentioned that you did the associates online and the bachelor's online, were they different? I mean, if you were to compare those two programs, were they similar? How 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 would you what would you say about those? Mm, I would say. I think there are some similarities and some differences. I think when I was doing my associates online, I did some of it because I was, um, I did some of it while I was actually in high school. So I didn't, so there was a portion of the classes that I took um, that were in person and that was beneficial to me. I feel like being in the classroom with other learners and 
having that like real life experience. But then when it transitioned to all online, it was just kind of like, I don't know how to explain it. Just a lot of busy work. It didn't feel like what I did was very meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was like, I think a a big similarity between getting my associates online and my bachelor's online was that like a lot of the online work that I had to do or like the essays I had to write or the, all these things that I had to do, it seemed like I would put in all this stress and all this, like all this work and I would work very hard and I would try to make it the best it could be. But like, it was like, it was almost like the, the professor's, you know, and I don't want to speak bad on them, but it was almost like the professors would just like skim over what I wrote or whatever and then just give me a hundred. Like it was no, there was no feedback. There was no opportunity. There was skim opportunity for growth Okay. Um, between both. Like it wasn't until I took a, a couple classes when I was getting my bachelor's that I actually felt pushed to like do better. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. So if you were to rate your experience with these courses on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being outstanding and one being horrific, what rating would you give and why? Um, I would probably give about a, maybe maybe like a six. I feel like my experience wasn't bad and it wasn't like, you know, the worst thing in the world. I feel like with online learning and my experience personally it kind of felt like I learned how to play the game like (laughs) right for lack of better words like I knew like okay I have to submit this assignment I have to do this homework and then I only have to do like you know just kind of calculating what I could do to get by um so I would say a six because again it didn't feel there was there are only a couple of courses that I really took that made me feel like oh like I'm learning something extremely valuable even past the content. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, But none of it was like terrible. It just, it was just okay, I would say. Okay. So Rosa Maria, I've been asking the last three guests this. Would you say a six is like a D, like a 60%? I would say it's like a 60%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is not a good grade for distance education. So (laughs) I am so sorry that you experienced that. Now, since your student teaching experience was just last year, um, those Mm -hmm. memories are probably fresh in your mind. So what was it like for you to transfer your online learning experience, you know, from that behind the computer type of experience to now I'm in somebody else's classroom having to learn that way? What was that like? It was like, okay, so I, like I mentioned earlier, I taught preschool. So that was like my experience with working. I did four-year-olds for about two years, and then I did two-year-olds earlier. So I I was kind of, I was pretty comfortable in the classroom, and it was nice because the content I was learning in my online classes were directly related to the job, the profession I was in. So I felt like when I was going into student teaching, I was like, oh, like, it'll be fine. Like, it's not, you know. I don't have much to worry about. Like I got this because I've done this. Right. And then I kind of got to my student teaching placement and it was kindergarten and it was in public school because I had taught at a private school and it was like a complete culture shock. And then also like, besides the fact that it was a culture shock, just with in, in terms of like what is expected of kindergarten students, like at the beginning of the year, it was also like my, the, the core of my um, learning wasn't really centered around 
kindergarten, first grade, you know, like public school education. It was more so child development. Mm -hmm. So it was very, it was very much like, like a culture shock to like walk into a kindergarten classroom and see like, oh, they got desks and they're expected to stay in their desk for six hours. And like, you know, they got to raise their hand and they got to do this and they got to do that. And like, it was just, it was such a stark contrast to what you're taught in early childhood education, like in terms of like the importance of play and the importance of all these, like, you know, social emotional development. Yes. And it's like, there's no, (laughs) there's absolutely no evidence of that in like the public system. So it was like, and you're not really prepared for that with online learning. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was definitely a culture shock and it was, it was, it was shocking. It took me a couple of weeks to get adjusted and like, right. like to really wrap my mind around like, oh, like this is like the, you know, keeping the whole child in mind is not a thing. Like, exactly. <laughs> so what yeah. we're teaching you in the courses is not what you're seeing play out in real life. In the, in the district. a little bit. No. So sad yeah. to hear. So Rosemaria, um, since you've been a teacher now for a, a whole, what, a year and a half? About? About. About, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in what ways, you kind of you kind of touched on it. How do you think we need to change our online teacher education program so that the future teachers are more prepared? I definitely feel like we need to make sure that our professors are involved in the, in both the content that they're teaching and also like uh, expressing this enthusiasm and involvement to their students. I think a lot of the courses I took, the instructors were very much just like, Hey, like, here's a, here's a form post. Give us your opinion, respond to two people and turn this in. And it is what it is. But there was no like meaningful interaction. There was no, um, you know, like there was no, I don't know. It kind of just felt like the instructors I had, we're just fulfilling a job or just fulfilling a role, which is fine because at the end of the day, it is a role. But when it comes to trying to teach, you know, online students, you want to make sure it's harder to, hmm, let me think of what I'm trying to say. You want to inspire the next wave of educators. And if your enthusiasm doesn't show um, in any way, and it's harder to do so on the internet, but if it doesn't show in any way, like it makes it makes the student feel very disconnected, I would say. Right. So maybe trying to find ways to share parts of who they are and also to share that enthusiasm and that, um, you know, wonder of learning and wonder of teaching. I feel like that's something that I definitely could have used a little bit more of. Right. So when you, in terms of you going in there, actually student teaching, did the program prepare you? I know you said it was a culture start as far as kindergarten. Um, do you feel like the program needs to incorporate more information on kindergarten as opposed to just the child development? Or do you feel like you need more practicums to actually go into class? What, what do you think can help the actual program you know, they prepare you for being in that classroom. Right. I think, to be honest, I think the only thing that can really prepare anybody for being in the classroom is being in the classroom. Good so, point. <laughs> like, whether that's more practicum or, right. whether, like, you know, an, an additional student teaching semester. Because I know that there's some schools in some states that, you know, you need an entire year of student teaching experience. Yes, but that's I'm what not, I advocate for. Definitely. Yeah, and I'm not opposed to that. Like, at first, like, 
if you were to ask me, you know, six months ago or not, oh, wow, it's, all, it's been a year since I graduated. That's crazy. I know. That's what I was saying. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like it happened yesterday. No. Yes. If you were to ask me a year ago, I probably would have said, oh, I'm not student teaching for a whole year. But now, like, I definitely think, uh, you know, you can only really learn by being thrown in the midst of it. Right. Um, and I think that coupled with, I guess a little bit more instruction or a little bit more um, resources when it comes to teaching in a public school setting, like kindergarten or first grade or whatever those are, you know, your early childhood years definitely mm-hmm. could have helped. Cause I think I might've took like one course. Right. Uh, and I think, it, I think it was with you. I don't really remember, but I think it was mm-hmm. one course. And I feel like if I would have took like two or three and then had some more practicum experience where I really had to be in that classroom. I think that could have helped me be a little bit more successful in my transition. Yes, because way back in the 90s, <laughs> when I was graduating as an undergrad, I had a um, a friend of mine. She student taught at this school. They did like a pilot program for a whole year and they actually paid them. And um, and she talked about that because she got to see the beginning of the year and yep. go through a whole academic year instead of most of us. Either we do the fall semester or we do the spring. Yep. So you're either starting you know, the, right after the children get to know their own teacher and that teacher's trying to get to know the students. And then if you come after Christmas, oh my goodness, in the spring, yeah. where they already know the teacher, the teacher already has her thing going on and here you come, you know, and so yeah. it just really doesn't, you should be a partner with that teacher and start so you can see how does the school year begin and how you know, does they don't it tell you about all the emails you have to read or all how you interact with parents, you know, just those things. And just so things. Yep. I, I think it's a disservice that we have student teaching be what, 12 weeks, I think maybe something like that. Yep. Um, it, it's just not a good culmination of, of real life experiences in it's my not. opinion. And, and for me personally, you know, I, I mean, I know it's a base by base situation and I know that like, it definitely helped me during this time, but like all of my practicum courses, I was able to do at my, at the, at the job that I worked at, mm-hmm. which was helpful, but it was a private school. Right. So it felt like, you know, even though I had that experience jumping into 12 weeks of public school and then that being, it was definitely like not enough time, like at all, but it was what I needed. And I'm glad that they worked with me for that because, you know, of course we all need money to survive and you know, exactly. that's a stressful yeah, we, so we, we need some, some sponsorships and some grants. Stipends. Oh my yeah, God. So they can be paid while they're student yes, teachers. Those now, 12 weeks were excruciating. Like, exactly. Yep. And that's something we need to look at because a lot of students are already working when they go to college these days, as opposed to, you know, decades before where they're yep. coming straight out of high school and they're, they you know, it's not that way anymore. <laughs> yeah. So Rosemarie, let's talk about your needs as an online student. You kind of t- touched on them a little bit. A need is defined as something you require because it is essential or very important. When you click on the online course or the courses in which you are enrolled, what do you require or desire from the professor and the course to be successful? Okay. I think, I I mean, I did touch on it earlier. I think the big thing that I require from online, the professors and online courses to be successful would definitely be, um, again, somebody who has that passion and who's not afraid to let it translate in whatever way that they can. Um, and also someone who advocates and pushes people past limits. Like a lot of the professors I had just kind of, again, like I mentioned, it was just a job. They were just checking off 
boxes. It was just to get by. It was busy work. But I've had very few who've actually pushed me to do better and to succeed and to see my education as something more encompassing than, you know, just a a means to an end. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, So I definitely think those are the things that I need from online educators to succeed. Just, yeah. Yeah. Advocate and push past limits. I love that. So, Rosa Maria, there are some people called learning scientists. Did you know that? I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so they study how people learn and they define learning as a change in the learner's knowledge due to experience. They assert that change is at the center of learning. So your change might be in your concepts, your procedures, your strategies, your beliefs, your attitude. Well, from the time you began your online studies, go back to that very first class, to your graduation day, in what ways did you change? Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I can, like, (laughs) quantify that. Like, I mean, well, let's talk about it just, like, logistically, right? So when I started, I was, what, 18? Mm -hmm. And I finished and I finished, I didn't finish in four years. Um, I finished in like five, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I graduated, I was 23 and just like, so my brain went through a lot of different changes just by aging those years. But I think developmentally, right? Developmentally, yeah. That was going from like (laughs) an 18 year old who wasn't the most responsible to somebody who, you know, but um. I don't know. I think I think just having to Okay, so the, I guess the biggest the, the biggest change would definitely be just the increase in responsibility because when you're an online learner like you have to be responsible for your learning. It's not like you have to make the conscious effort to show up every day and to turn in your assignments and to do the reading and to not look on Quizlet for the answers to the quiz. Like <laughs> oh my goodness. So, you know what I mean? I'm keeping it I've real. I've heard like, about that. I've heard about Quizlet. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, I think they're definitely I've changed the most in terms of like my responsibility and um, I guess finding ways to stay true to like who I am and like my morals and my ethics when it comes to like learning online and wanting to be the best educator I can be. So lots of different changes. I feel like I would need a whole separate podcast to just talk about that, but. <laughs> okay. We'll schedule that. No, I'm just Yeah, right. <laughs> So do you find that people are very unethical online? Uh, Or not? uh, (laughs) I would say a lot of people do take the easy way out. It's easy. Like, it's easy. You're online. Like, and if you don't have one of those um, test navigator things where, you know, when you take a quiz, it like locks you into that screen and it tells, you know, it tells the professor every time you change your tab. Right. I feel like a lot of people can be a little bit unethical in their dealings and now we have chat gpt and so it just made it's a lot easier to do that Mm -hmm. um i'm not gonna say everybody was i'm not gonna lie either like there was a time where i was on quiz you know quizlet you know i think (laughs) i think everybody has gone through those days but um it's it's just it sometimes it can be an easy way out it can yeah you made me think about uh, years ago I had a student and she called me and she was like, do you know that three or four other students called me and said, let's take the uh, quiz together. 
And so they were all on like, (laughs) (laughs) and let me tell you what was so funny. So this was probably maybe maybe five years into teaching online. And so, of Mm -hmm. course, our tests were not proctored because our university wouldn't pay for that. Mm -hmm. But I didn't even realize on Blackboard that I can set the quizzes so that they went out of, you know, in random order. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The question. Right. And so I didn't know that. So, of course, the quizzes were, you know, your number oh, one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, your number one was her number one was her number one like that, right? So she was like, I don't mean to tell you, but it's like, and I told him, absolutely not. This is what she said, right? <laughs> she, she didn't give me the names of the people. She was just letting me know that they were doing that. So I was like, yeah. I told my colleague, she said, oh, girl, you know, you can um go in and make, it, the answers. and make it random. And so um, so that every test is absolutely different. Well, let me tell you what's so funny. Th- those four people, I end up finding out who they were. Mm. Those four people all failed the quiz. I said, so they're working, look, they're working together to cheat. And well, they failed anyway. Be my guest, you know. <laughs> it was so funny to me. I was like, I looked at their test scores. I was like, and they were working together? And they oh. were cheating? They got four brains four working together and they still ain't passed. That's crazy. Isn't that funny? So now it's time for us to share your pet peeves. A pet peeve is a minor annoyance that an individual finds particularly irritating. And it's something that bothers you more than it may bother other people. So your pet peeve may not be someone else's, Rosa Maria, and that's okay. What are your pet peeves? Um, I would say... I mentioned it like several different times. I think one of my biggest one of my biggest pet peeves is busy work. I don't like feeling like I'm just doing work just because and I don't f- like feeling like I'm working really 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 hard only to get the score that everybody gets, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um but then another thing that doesn't really relate to like the instructor of an online course would be like people who are unprepared for class. Yeah. Like you would think that it wouldn't happen as much with online learning, but no, it does and like think it was your courses that I took where I really had to work with other students online and mm-hmm. oh my goodness that was just really it was it was a learning curve because there's a lot of people that are unprepared and that that was definitely one of my biggest pet peeves I found out <laughs> so what do you think contributes to that I've heard some other people say why do you think they come unprepared because uh, well <laughs> I mean <laughs> Well, okay, okay, so, okay, let me take my critical hat off and, you know, see people as people. I mean, you know, especially when you're taking online courses, you have a lot of different, usually you have a lot of different other responsibilities to juggle. A lot of the times people are working parents. A lot of the times, you know, maybe they're not parents, but maybe they're working or maybe they're taking care of a family member. So, you know, sometimes not everybody can be 100% prepared for class because they got other things going on in their life, which is understandable. Um but there's also the other percentage of people who it's not because they, you know, have other things going on in their life or maybe it was just a busy day or a busy week or, you know, sometimes it could just be, you know, the fact that they maybe they maybe they personally know that it's easy to coast by and it's easier to coast by in certain classes. So maybe that's why they do it or maybe, you know, mm-hmm. who who really knows? But who really knows. That's yeah. a whole nother podcast too. Yeah, yeah. Who really knows? But those could be some factors, right? Well, we've made it to the dear professor segment mm-hmm. where you get the opportunity to share your heart with the fellow professor that you have in mind. Imagine there's an online bulletin board with sticky notes or messages from students to professors. What is the note you would leave one of your online college professors? 
The note that I would leave one of my online college professors, I would say, dear professor, um, something you always did well were um, pushing me to be my best and pushing me to work harder, even when it was extremely difficult for me and extremely frustrating for me. Um, And I appreciate all the hard work that you have pushed me to do because it's allowed me to really view my education more holistically and really, I don't know, not be so closed-minded with how I see my online education. And I appreciate that. Oh, Rosa Maria, that was very kind. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think it's wonderful that somebody um, inspired you in that way. So are you doing that for your students as well? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> you know, I, I think so. I think I have a lot of students who... Um, you know, are very sweet and very kind and they definitely share their love with for me and I appreciate it. It definitely warms my heart. So I just hope that I continue to do that, you know, consistently. Yes. Well, as we close, let me share my takeaways from today's conversation about what you need. So when you're taking courses online, you need number one for your instructors to be passionate about what they're teaching Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to let that translate. And number two, you want them to advocate and push you to your limit. You want there to be some sort of challenge. Is that correct? It is correct. I was (laughs) good. Don't make me go crazy now. Like, right, right. (laughs) But definitely pushing, pushing past some type of barrier. Right. Well, Rosemaria, this time has been so special. It is an honor and a privilege to converse with a fresh young teacher and hear your perspective. I was a young teacher many, 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 many moons ago. And I remember the challenges as well as the rewards, but that was a totally different time. So I truly admire young adults who leap into this profession that is not as highly esteemed as it should be by the public or by other stakeholders. With with that in mind, do you have any advice for beginning teachers or even those who may be juniors or seniors in a teacher ed program right now? (laughs) Be Uh, kind. Be kind, Rosemaria. I would say, I guess for people who are juniors or seniors in the education program, make sure that this is really something that you want to do because Mm -hmm. you can get into it and you can think, I mean, before you get into it, you can think that like, oh, you're going to make like, you know, you can idealize this profession in your head Mm -hmm. a million times over. You need to make sure that you're really, really, really willing to stick it out for the long haul because it is not easy. And I don't think you really understand that until you're in it and you and you realize it for yourself. So just make sure that you're passionate and that you're willing to, you know, keep working for the long haul. You know, yes, Rosemary, that was so well said. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of out of your busy schedule. I know you have lesson plans and all kinds of things. Don't remind me. It's Saturday. Don't remind me. 
<laughs> I wish you well in all your endeavors, whether that's in the arts or whatever else you choose to do. And I pray that you give yourself love and grace as you navigate through the field of education. Your students are so blessed to have you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be able to speak with you again. Yes. So thank you all for joining us. Remember to comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe. I look forward to spending time with you next week on the Dear Professor series, where college students who take courses online speak their minds. Bye-bye.